Hello everyone. Today is a very special part day. It is a part one of a two-part intro to scouting the 2022 NHL draft with Will Scouch of Scouching. We're talk Shane Wright, you're of Slavkovsky, and so much more coming up in today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 622 of Locked On Canadians. And as always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch if you're watching us on YouTube and obviously wherever you get your podcasts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, you are just as excited as I am. We have a very special guest for the first of two episodes. How are you feeling going into today's show? I'm very excited for our listeners and our viewers for this episode because we've been talking a little bit about prospects and drafting and all of that. And I think people will get a really good idea of what's going on from this episode. They'll get a little bit of an education and it's going to be fun to discuss. And I will no longer pretend that I am a prospect expert. I just play one on this podcast. We are joined by a guy who truly well and truly knows his stuff. You know him as Scouching on YouTube and on Twitter. Will Scouch joins us today. And one, thank you so much for making time for us. I know you're a really busy guy with a draft coming up here. How are you doing? And why don't you tell us a little about our uh, listeners, where they can find you and uh, what it is that you do. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, I can be found mostly on YouTube and Twitter. So at Scouching on both platforms. Uh, I fund everything through a Patreon campaign with a whole bunch of different tiers where you can access all kinds of fun stuff, player data visualizations, track data, you know, if you just want a giant spreadsheet of all the draft eligible players that might get drafted, you can you can get one of those from me. Uh, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, but but really really happy to be on. Uh, I suppose the biggest thing is here, and we will get to Shane Wright in a moment because obviously Canadians fans want to know as much as they can about Shane Wright, who we know is great, and we're gonna have a person who knows draft picks tell us he's likely great. <laughs> I just I wanted to ask first and foremost. We've heard that this draft went from being deep to it's top heavy to it's not as good, but next year is better. What are your overall impressions of the 2022 NHL draft class? Because it seems like it's been all over the board and it's following that cycle of every year is that it's great. It's better than last year. Maybe it's not as good. Okay. Maybe it's better than we anticipated. And it's just this vicious cycle. Is the truth somewhere in the middle or is this just, you know, people kind of overplaying it right now? So I think I think yes and no. I know that's a bad answer, but it's I think yes and no is is what's happening. I mean, this happens a lot where people will think a year out in advance and it's like shiny object syndrome and they're like, "Oh yeah, like next year's draft is going to be way better because of this this and this and this." And it, there's just so many things that can change in a, in a calendar year with hockey players, especially when they're 16 and 17 years old that can really change sort of the landscape. But I I look at this year's draft and it's funny. Uh, I get asked a lot to reflect on the draft class relative to prior years. So I've really seriously dug into like a lot of NHL prospects for the last four drafts, 19, 20, 21, and 22 now. And I mean, I come away from this draft thinking that in terms of star power, I think that at the end of the day, it'll probably be maybe a little more limited in terms of real 
high-end star power coming out of it. But I think there's a lot of really interesting project selections that have a lot of really interesting traits going on, but are flawed and to the point where it might be an issue. But that's not to say that it's bad. It's going to really matter on who's picking whom, like what the plan is for those players, like what they foresee those players being and like how they want them to sort of play. Uh, and I think that that's going to make a big difference with a lot of these guys. And I think that that starts as early as like number three on on my board. And then it goes basically through 20. Like there's guys that, that are closer to 20 on my board where if their name gets called at five, I would not be shocked. And there are guys that are in my top 10 where if they're picked like 28th, I wouldn't be shocked. So it's a very, very strange year. I think, I think there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty, I think is the biggest way to, put it is just uncertainty um but it's not it's not the like i don't know i'm not i'm not also a huge fan of just labeling a draft class good or bad before the draft even happens like just it's so many things can factor in after the draft that affect a player's development positively or negatively so i kind of look at it as well how do i feel about this class relative to last year and the year before and i think last year there was a little bit more like potential high-end talent at the very top especially on the back end. And in 2020, it was just an insane draft year. Like that was just, I think a lot of people got used to the idea that 2020 was kind of like an all-star banner year for prospects. And they kind of expected that to be the norm. And then last year kind of was a bit of a shortfall. And this year I think is a bit of a step back, but I think this year there's more uh, breadth of talent in like the top 20, even if they're not potential superstars kind of thing. I have a question, and this is kind of obviously a little bit more of a subjective uh, question, but I feel like in the last couple of years, a lot of seasons have been interrupted. Some seasons have been canceled outright. Mm -hmm. And do you think that perhaps when you're talking about flaws and things that, that players need to develop, they might have had a chance to kind of develop aspects of their game that was kind of stolen from them, uh, for lack of a better word? Yes and no. I think that that's probably, I think the only situation where you can I'd say genuinely make that argument is with OHL players. Like the WHL had a really short year last year, but it was something. Um, they had a playoff and it wasn't much, but it was something. The Q played a lot last year. A lot of European leagues last year started and shut down and started and shut down. Like the, the Swedish Junior League was done by January. So I, I, but and so, so when that, that kind of thing comes up, I sort of go, okay, yes, that's true, especially for OHL guys. Like when guys like Shane Wright have a pretty slow start to the year in terms of production, like I, I gave him a lot of rope. It's sort of going, you know what, like, yeah, I, if I missed an entire year of competitive hockey and I believe he was hurt at the end of the year before, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to be will, more willing to sort of see how things go and feel it out. But generally for me, it's like, okay, well, how are the, the players playing in like January, February, March? you know, especially the OHL guys. And if they're kind of still missing the mark a little bit, then that's a bit of a problematic situation because they've had months and months to sort of get up to game speed. I, when I look at the European players, I, <clears throat> I don't think it's the same effect really. Like a lot of them did play at least some kind of hockey last year. And maybe that did give them a bit of a boost. I think it did harm the OHL kids in this year's draft. Um, and maybe there's potential for value there. Like you draft maybe the guys that were maybe just never getting their feet under them, but you can sort of get evidence that they, they, they will, and they'll figure it out. Um, and maybe that is a way that maybe later on in the draft, you could snag someone that, that should have been picked way earlier. Um, but outside of that specific scenario, 
I don't know, like hockey seasons are long, they play a lot, and they have a lot of time to sort of get into gear, especially if they've been playing at least some kind of competitive hockey last season. So I, I don't know, I, I think maybe that factors in a little bit, especially with Ontario, but outside of that, I'm a, I'm a little more hesitant to to uh, to use that sort of as a, a blanket like excuse, I guess you could say, but that makes it sound bad. Like it's just a, an, an analysis quirk, right? So It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, though, for sure. Like, it'll be really interesting if there's anyone that comes out of the woodwork and just explodes next year or something. And I think that'll happen with some people, but I don't. I have no idea who. It's it's so hard to tell. And I'm actually really glad that you mentioned Shane Wright because coming up in our next segment, uh, we're going to have an actual draft expert tell us more about Shane Wright and his flaws, <laughs> his strengths, and everything. But coming up right now. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, and there's so many makes and models of cars. It can be expensive. It can be intimidating. Going into chain stores, trying to find that one piece you need for your car, and then maybe they have to order it. Maybe you have to wait for it. You're going to pay more, 30 50 even 100% more at a chain store. But if you go to rockauto.com, you're going to save time and money, and they are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and their prices are reliably low for every customer. You can find whatever you're looking for for whatever car, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Everything is at rockauto.com. So please go check it out, rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And in their how did you hear about us box, right locked on so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so we are back at Locked On Canadians X Scouting, the crossover that everyone has been waiting for. And I am excited about this because the Canadians got the first overall pick and that just clicked all of our, you know, content into order here. Yep. We've talked about Shane Wright all year. We've talked about Shane Wright when we didn't know the Canadians were going to pick first overall. We know they are picking first overall. And because this fan base cannot allow itself to be happy for more than five <laughs> seconds, can you help set some people's mind at ease about Shane Wright? We hear it's almost slanderous at this point that it's like, he doesn't have a high ceiling. It's, he's not flashy. He's not exciting. Every scouting report I read about him is that he's smart and that he's responsible and he sees the game very well. And in a system where Martin St. Louis wants guys to play to what they're seeing, not just following a rigid system, that seems like a win-win situation for me. Shane Wright feels like an absolute slam dunk for the Montreal Canadiens right now. So, yeah, I mean, okay, so I'll start with a few basics. Like, Shane Wright, I don't think is, uh, he's going to go first. Like, I am almost positive that, if especially because it's the Montreal Canadiens, I'm I'm convinced that that's the guy that gives you the best chance at adding a core player to your roster. However, like we were talking earlier about the uncertainty in the draft and a lot of question marks, and he does have some question marks that might limit his ability to, in my view, it's like, it's the thing that might prevent him from being a true sort of NHL game breaker, you know, like, which is a really high bar, but instead he might be more of a really, really good, you know, high end center, especially offensively, that might not be a guy that, you know, you pay $13 million a year for, for the rest of his life and, and lock him in on the roster. And he's like in the rafters guaranteed at the end of his career. Right. I I don't think it's to that point yet. He could be for sure. There's nothing saying he can't, but 
again, and I, I know what you're talking about. There's a lot of discussion about should the Habs go in a different direction. And this happens every year. Every team that drafts first overall, oh, should they pick this other guy? I don't know. I get the feeling that with Shane Wright, with how, with how the Habs seem to be angling the way their team should be going, I get the feeling that he's just going to naturally sort of settle in as a more use like the way I see kind of Montreal Canadiens hockey kind of happening and based on how they've drafted and how Martin St. Louis seems to be using players, they want sort of speed and skill sort of on the wings in a way. And then the down the middle is sort of that solidifying middle of the ice sort of play where they chip in defensively, but they also help play offensively and they help out the wingers, but the wingers are kind of where that, you know, like letting Cole Caulfield basically go out and be Cole Caulfield and, and play with that zip that he's got. Um, and I think that that's kind of the right way to go, especially these days. And I think Shane Wright naturally fits into that really, really well. You said that he's really smart. I think I would categorize it as a little bit different. Like he's very adaptive. He's like a, he, he kind of has this, it's hard to, it's hard to see unless you watch like hundreds and hundreds of hockey games where he has this natural feel for the flow of the game with the puck on his stick. He kind of knows how to draw guys in. He knows how to make a play when he's drawing guys in. He knows where to make that play. He keeps it simple, but, it's simple because that's what he can do, right? Like that's just a natural sort of setup for him. He he knows where to hit targets. He brings that in the offensive zone. He knows when to bait guys in to, to you know, they know he's a shooting threat. So he knows how to bait guys in with pressure and then move pucks to, to an open man on the wing. Um, you know, he knows, he just has a really good ability to have awareness around the ice, especially with the puck on his stick and just know what plays need to be made and when, um, slipping passes through defensemen, you know, all these little things that, you know, yes, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's not slow. And yes, he's not the most skilled guy in the world, but who needs skill when, when four checkers are coming at you and you can just get pucks through them one way or the other and utilize your line mates really well. It's not perfect. Like I, I, a lot of people are comparing him to like Patrice Bergeron and stuff. And I don't see that at all. I, I don't, his defensive game, I think is going to need some work. Like it's more, I I've watched him a lot and I, I come away thinking that he's the kind of guy who is waiting for the puck to sort of hit a stick. You know, he's sort of covering the middle of the ice positionally sort of in the right spots but not really mobile in that positioning sort of standing still a lot waiting for pucks to get grinded out along the board scored out to him and then he's off to the races quarterbacking that rush so i think there's going to be sort of learning experiences it'll be inter- the thing that will be a sort of x factor for him is what happens when he's lined up against like i don't know austin matthews what happens when he lined up when he lines up against um you know Dylan Larkin in Detroit like I'm trying to you know like when he, what happens when he lines up against those guys you know Steven Stamkos um and I I kind of go well I feel like you know even if he does develop a little bit those guys can really skate and those guys can really play with the puck and they can really embarrass guys and is he on that level and could he ever get there I don't I don't know at least defensively but the way that he plays, I think, you know, like you plant him with Cole Caulfield, you know, and I feel like he's a guy who's going to be able to find Cole Caulfield as a target. And Cole Caulfield will also be a target for four checkers and defenders to sort of chase him down. And Shane Wright's a shooting threat. So those two guys kind of off, like work off themselves, work off each other, in my opinion, pretty well. And there's probably more coming for the Habs in the next couple of years where there's going to be more of that. So I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is like, it's kind of in the middle. 
there's a lot of people who are indeed like being borderline slanderous and like saying he's bad <laughs> and, and saying he's all these things. He's but then there's other bust. people. Yeah. But then there's other people who are like, no, like everyone's wrong. Like Shane Wright's like going to score 140 points and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, he's, you know, is he a sort of a Brian Nugent Hopkins level first overall pick? I could see him maybe being a bit more of an impactful player than that, but like, I don't see him on the same level as other top picks recently, like guys like Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews and, and Connor McDavid and whatever. Like, I just, I think there's a bit of a gap there. I think it's interesting that you brought up Ryan Nugent, Ryan Nugent Hopkins because a, a few of our listeners and, and our viewers have kind of commented that that's more of how they see him. And I think for me, the big thing is that you can't have a gener- generational player every year. It just nope. That does not exist, right? So yeah. among what's available right now, you can't, you can't overthink it. You have to take who you think right now is the mm-hmm. best shot, right? Like who's going to become, like you mentioned, a core NHL player for the Habs. I, I, I really love yep. the way you put that because, you know, like a core, a relatively good core can achieve success. And like, I think part of it is also it's up to the Canadians to develop the rest of his game to the best of their ability and kind of emphasize mm-hmm. the things that he needs to work on. And and for, I'm, I'm sure you've kind of noticed this <laughs> being an expert, the Canadians development game hasn't been all that great, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> uh, so maybe in the last couple of years, it's improving a little bit, but we can't keep saying the word Jake, the words Jake Evans, you know, like that's the only right. one we can point to. Right. So right. I feel like it's part, partly due to the organization as well to bring out the most in him. And that might not be Patrice Bergeron, but you're still going to get a serviceable core center out of it. Yeah. And I think, I think the last thing I'll say about Shane Wright before letting you guys ask more is, is I think I, I have all the time in the world for the argument that there's going to be a lot of players, maybe not a lot, but a few players this year who, when we look back 10 years from now, they might, you, there might be internet arguments about like, Oh, the Habs should have drafted this guy or the Habs should have drafted this guy. Um, you know, that always happens, right? Like you can look back even in the last five years people are already having those discussions about guys that have gone first overall. Like I was not the biggest Owen power fan. And I, I think that at the end of the day, there could be other players that we look back on and are more impactful. Alexis Lafreniere has had his own struggles. He's starting to get there, but he's had issues and other players in that draft have already like Lucas Raymond, you know, you ask 10 people if they would rather have Raymond or Lafreniere right now, you might be surprised at how difficult that might be. You know, you go before that, Jack Hughes took a long time to get going. We're watching Cole Caulfield do his thing, and he went 14 picks after Jack Hughes. So, you know, I I look at Shane Wright and I go, yeah, probably the right person to go with, probably the right selection. But when I look at this year's draft, I I don't know. Like, I I look at a bunch of guys, and I'm going, I could see a universe where Shane Wright maybe just slightly undershoots what, what some might think he's capable of, and other guys might at least produce on a sort of comparable level. But... Again, you pair him with Cole Caulfield in one year. Cole Caulfield scores 55 goals. Shane Wright's going to have a lot of points if he's centering that line. Like that. That. So if you look at production, then maybe that might change. But I don't know. I think he's the right fit. It's the right move. Um, all things being considered, and there's lots of uncertainty with other guys. Like people are talking about Yuri Slavkovsky all the time. There's uncertainty with him too. And if you draft Yuri Slavkovsky and you miss, and Shane Wright goes somewhere else and he hits big then you're going to look awfully foolish because I think in my mind, I would never make that call. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like Shane Wright's the guy and it's just, it's just the right situation for him and, and, and the Habs. And I know you said that you wouldn't, you know, make that call and take Slavkovsky over Shane Wright. However, we're going to put you in the hot seat and uh, <laughs> okay. examine the world in which the Montreal Canadians with the first overall pick 
Uh, go for Yaroslavskovsky, Slavkovsky. It's a mouthful. It and is. we're going to get to that coming up in just one moment. All right. So we are here with Will Scouch, Scouching on YouTube, at Scouching on Twitter. We talked Shane Wright. Laura and I have said multiple times since the Canadians finished their season, do not galaxy brain the first overall pick. Yep. Shane Wright is right there. However, we are going to galaxy brain the first overall yep. pick here because the other name, they are not talking Logan Cooley. They are not talking Simon Nemitz or David Yurichek. They are talking Yuroslavkovsky, who yep. in his own right is a very talented player with his own strengths that maybe shine better in some areas than Shane Wright. But Shane Wright fits what we think is the overall needs of the Montreal Canadiens right now. Admittedly, I do not know a ton about Slavkovsky. I know why uh, his name is brought up so much in Habs circles right now. If they were to pick him, what is what can Canadians fans expect? I know that he is potentially the definition of a boom or bust kind of pick here in the top five. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think he's really at much risk of being a bust. But I do think that there is a pretty sizable chance that he, if you pick him first overall, which I don't think is going to happen, but if you do, you might undershoot what you might typically get as value at the first overall pick. Like I, I have a, I have time for Yuri Slavkovsky. I've been watching him for two years. Um, I've always thought that he, he'll be one of these guys that I think hockey people will love. But in terms of his overall impact on the game, like coaches will play him 20 minutes a night, but his overall impact on the game might be a little more limited than you think if you look under the hood a little. He's he's big. He's he's huge. He's quicker than he looks, I think. Like if you watch him play, he doesn't look like he's very quick. He's pretty clunky on his feet. But I mean, if I was 6'4 and 17 years old and 220 pounds, I'd probably be a little clunky on my feet too. Um, but he's 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 that big and he's strong but he he brings a lot of traits that i think nhl hockey people would really really like like his ability to grind along the boards in the offensive zone get off the boards get into the middle of the ice is really really impressive like not a lot of guys can do that like he can he's not the best transition player i don't think he's he's a bit his hands are a bit clunky in transition receiving passes and he's not a very crisp player but when he's got control of the puck in the offensive zone and and trying to get away from guys and guys are trying to get on top of him. Like I've seen tape of him where he's literally pinned against the boards, like being bear hugged and he gets his arms free and shoves the puck out into the middle of the ice, trying to make a play. Like, and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm a hockey coach, I love that. Like I'm just losing my mind about that. And I'm going, yep, that's an NHL player right there. And I think he'll play in the NHL. Like I think, I think he'll play in the NHL, but I think that his role will be more like a, like a, a a solid offensive contributor, but his real value is going to come from board play and possession and being sort of this guy that sur you surround with talent and he makes their lives easier. Like, I think he's going to be one of those guys and not the most outstanding offensive player, but he is, I think you've got room to grow with him. Like, I think if you send him back to Finland, Finland for a year you know, you work on his skill, you get him a little more fluid on his feet, you know, you turn him into one of these, you know, like you might end up with a guy like a Valerie Nichushkin out there where, where it's like, he's big and rangy and skilled and, and physical, but 
still has some offensive output there and the analytics are great. Like I could see that with Slavkovsky. And again, like I said, there's a lot of guys where I could see them neck and neck with Shane Wright in 10 years. And Slavkovsky very well could be that guy. But there's also risk and you are hoping that things really go your way. You know, is that the argument that maybe you should see what the market is like to trade down from first overall? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't I, I don't know. I look at Shane Wright and I go, why would you draft one? Why would you draft a winger? Like, why would you go if you're if you're Montreal down the middle? The depth is eh, like you've got Nick Suzuki and, and, and but I don't know. I feel like Shane Wright would just be a really like a shot in the arm. And and I feel like Slavkovsky, you got a bit of a ways to go with him, whereas Shane Wright steps right in and you can start learning right away. Um, I don't know. If it happens, I'd be pretty surprised, but I'd kind of get it. It's risky. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, he is one of the more fascinating players that has come along uh, in, in the last couple of years, for sure, because I don't know what's going to happen with him, really. Um, but I think that you know, a strong possession NHL winger that's great along the boards and, and just doing those NHL things, grinding it out. Like that's, that's where he's going to make his money. And if the rest comes a long way, then, then that's a bonus. I was going to say, like, I'm looking, I have elite prospects pulled up in the background here and in international tournaments, the Olympics, uh, obviously world juniors didn't happen this year, so to speak, but even the world championships right now, Slavkovsky is asserting himself and he is that standout player. And obviously Liga is not an easy league to be in as a young teenage player, but I look at his under 20 and under 18 seasons there. Is there a reason to expect that he goes back to Finland next year to play another year for uh, TPS there? If he doesn't take that next step out of the, if they, if he were to go first overall and that offensive progression doesn't continue into Liga next year. Is that kind of one of those, I don't want to say, I don't want to say scary, but is it a, a cause for concern if you're the Canadians and you see Shane Wright come in and maybe be, you know, a middle six NHL center right away if you don't pick him? Is that that kind of like instant regret if that progression isn't right there right away? I don't think you have that option. I, if you're, I feel like if you're on a professional NHL team, like, and you make a decision like that, you don't have that option. Like you have to make it work. Right. And I feel like a lot of people get really caught up in evaluating progress really quick. Like a lot of people will say, Oh, player X is doing really well at tournament Y. And then it's like, well, that means that they did really well in the draft because this other team drafted player, whatever. But then there's a whole other tournament two months later where the other player might play and the other one's not eligible and they play really well. And then a whole bunch of other group of people goes, well, this player is playing really well in this one, blah, 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 blah. It's very sort of, you, you, you kind of have to go with the flow and think about this and like, where are we in five years? I, I think Slavkovsky has gotten better over the course of the year. I think he's, I think he's improved and that is kind of indicated with his playoff production. It took a step. Um, I honestly haven't seen much of the world championships this year. I did go and watch a bunch of his Olympic games tape. I had a couple of Slovakian uh reporters reach out to me and ask about him and i i watched a lot of the tape and you know like uh, watching him you know i'm not surprised that he scored some goals and had no assists based on what i've seen out of him <laughs> as a hockey player like I, I i feel like and and but then but then at the world championships it's the opposite that's the case so i don't know i i get the feel i look at the i look at the olympic games tournament and i go look i don't i don't really care that much about that tournament like that was like borderline ahl talent on most of those teams and he's playing in the Liga, which a lot of times is also 
I'd say some AHL level talent. Like it's not the best league in the world. Um, and you know, he did show well at the Olympics, the world championship. I, again, I haven't seen a ton. Um, but again, like if, what if Shane Wright were in the Olympics, you know, what if Shane Wright were in the world championships? Like you can't, you can't really have these discussions of, Oh, he's doing well in these tournaments. Therefore this, when you can't, you don't have that barometer to go, well, what about the other guys that can't, that aren't even playing in this tournament? Like what, like they didn't even get the chance to sort of go toe to toe with them. And could Shane Wright have lit Kazakhstan up for five points in a game? I think it's entirely possible. Like it's, it's possible. Um, but it didn't happen. So you can't, you know, so I, I always just sort of go back to what am I seeing when I watch the player play the game that we're all watching. Right. Like, and I, and I, you, you, we could have this discussion all day, like who will be the better player. And I think there is a discussion, but I think that, you know, like for me, Slavkovsky is just a step down. It's just like the risk, there's more risk. The potential role for him might be a little more limited. And I think with Shane, right? Like it's just, it's to me, it's just a great fit. Like it just makes so much sense to just add that, that center that you can work with and take your time with, you know, he's not under a ton of pressure to reform right away. You know, you've got a creative coach that can sort of help him out. You've got a new creative team that's kind of pushing in a new direction. Um, and I just get the feeling that with the kind of players that they're going to surround him with, it, it would just be needlessly risky to go in a different direction. Um, and even if there's a risk of maybe down the road, you're like, well, what about this and this and this? It's like, well, you know, that's life. You know, like sometimes you're just going to have to make a decision, stick with it. And 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 I think he's the safest one, um, even if Slavkovsky has shown some potential i mean i don't know i, I personally like I, he's the number two ranked guy and coming out of finland for me this year like i i personally still like brad lambert more um but slavkovsky is no slouch he's a step behind uh right there perfectly reasonable to be in the discussion but in my view i think that discussion's pretty short and folks if you enjoyed this i have very good news for you uh will is on for another episode right after this one with more draft stuff So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Thank you for watching and listening to this today. We are obviously free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube at Lockdown Canadians. Follow the show at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. Myself at Scott Matla. And you can follow Will at Scouching on Twitter and Scouching on YouTube. Please go check out all of his draft stuff. It's a huge help. I cannot recommend it enough. And get ready, folks. Part two is coming at you tomorrow.